Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 45, The Gift, from 2000. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. With us today, very special guest, Lindsay Gibb. Hello, Lindsay. Hi! This is the second movie in a row that I once again need to vent my frustration that we again do not get Fat Keanu. That these last two movies were the movies I was promised Fat Keanu, and here he's just big, imposing Keanu, and not the Fat Keanu that not only was I promised for The Watcher and The Gift, but even on the last episode, Chris said, oh, he's Fat Keanu in the next one. And then I talked to him about it, and he said, oh, I think he just wears a big coat, which makes me mad. Like, that's not the same thing. I did say to him that I get confused when actresses or actors change their hairstyle. So, I mean, you know, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt with a coat, but, like, I guess we have to go back to chain reaction, like you said in the last episode. No more fat Keanu. I'm, I'm bummed out. Yeah, I'm sorry for you, too, man. I, I Come on. <laughs> I wish I had known. I mean, this is the second time I saw it, but last time I saw it was when it first came out. And I think I just, again, I just get a sense that of how big Keanu actually is because he's one of the only guys in this movie, and he's the most imposing person in the film. He just kind of towers over a lot of the other actors and stuff. But, but no, he's not fat or overweight or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, sorry, Joey. It's okay. I mean, I don't really want Fat Keanu, but I was just promised Fat Keanu, and <laughs> I just never got him. You were misled a little bit. Is Fat Keanu a thing? Well, I didn't so know that was a thing. Well, so, The Watcher <laughs> and The Gift, we were kind of promised, or we were sort of led to believe that these these are the Fat Keanu movies. And I think I've heard from more okay. than one people, and not just Mike and Chris, I feel like I've heard from multiple people that these are the Fat Keanu movies, and in both of them, he's bigger And just a little bit of background, Lindsay, two movies ago for The Replacements, he gained like 25 pounds to play a football player. And so I think this is just like the weight that he hasn't lost or like in both that this past movie and this movie, he's a bad guy, even though Mm -hmm. in this one he is kind of a a phrase that I coined a redneck red herring. (laughs) (laughs) In both these movies, he's the bad guy, so it makes sense that he's physically imposing as opposed to sort of like a svelte action star like he was as Neo. But still, I wanted fat Keanu. I wanted like doughy, you know, overweight, just sort of like disgusting pig of a Keanu because, (laughs) you know, he's such an attractive, handsome man that I wanted him to be like the complete opposite of that. And like if we don't get it here, I don't think we're ever going to get it again. Yeah, I can't think of any instances of that. But I also, previous to this, I hadn't seen that many Keanu films. It turns out that neither had I. <laughs> but Mike, you said you had seen this before, right? Yeah, when it first came out on DVD, that's one of the few movies I didn't have to buy for Keanu Club when we started this Ooh. thing. Up. I had you owned this one already. I had already owned this movie. Yeah, because it, well, I I'm a big Sam Raimi fan. Okay, and this was sort of in his like his. I don't want to say his slow phase, but, like, he wasn't really doing that Evil Dead-type horror. This was right before the first Spider-Man, and one, like, little behind-the-scenes thing is that the promotion of this, like, the touring, the interviews, interfered with pre-production for Spider-Man, but I think it was the same studio or something, so they figured out a way to negotiate the calendar that he could do both movies. But this is right in that window, you're right, between, like, Army of Darkness and the first Spider-Man. Yeah, he did Quick and the Dead, and then right before this, with Billy Bobby did A Simple Plan. 
So maybe that's where him and Thornton okay. got the idea to work together again or something. But it's funny because there's a couple actors that are going to reappear in those Spider-Man films, like J.K. Simmons. And, yep. Yeah, and Aunt May shows up. So I was just a big Sam Raimi fan, so I was more drawn to it through that. Uh, I didn't know Keanu was in it, really. I mean, I wasn't there for Keanu. If anything, this made me a Kate Blanchett fan. Like, I really mm-hmm. hadn't known of her at the time, and this is pretty much where I discovered Kate Blanchett. Is it me, or does she look like Gwyneth Paltrow in this, kind of? Again, might just be the hair, which I said I have a problem with hair. <laughs> yeah, I think it is the hair. Yeah, she looks very much like herself. Okay. Well, I mean, I could tell it was her. I mean, she just does not look like Carol, for instance. I mean, that's, you know, we're 15 years ago, but still different kind of hair and different kind of overall aesthetic than, what I guess, the Kate Blanchett I'm used to. Sort of a curly hair, blonder lady now. So going to the Sam Raimi thing for a second, I did not like this movie. I mean, okay, so The Watcher was kind of garbage from start to finish, aside from Keanu dancing the Dragula. This movie was almost (laughs) more of a disappointment because it starts off weird and interesting and cool and kind of like a turn, like like a one degree away from like a David Lynch thing. And then it just devolves into this court drama and it just loses all sense of like weirdness until the very, very end when there's just a ghost for no reason. There's, I, I just don't like it. Like, I was more disappointed in this because there was more promise up front. With The Watcher, I was like, oh, this is, I never thought that was going to be good. Here, I was like, oh, this could be really cool and interesting and weird. And then it just became so normal. It was just kind of predictable and boring. I feel like, because I had also seen this before, back when it came out and I liked it back then but watching it re-watching it for this and I mean I picked it because I liked it back mm-hmm. then and I was like oh but I didn't remember Keanu was in it at all but yeah re-watching it I was like yeah some of these twists are not really twists and like I think that's just maybe because there's been so many movies since it that have done similar things right I feel like at the time it was 2000 or something that yep. this came out mm-hmm. that it was more surprising back then. And I didn't even really remember what happened in it. So it could have surprised me over again. But I think it's just it felt more like I'd seen things like it now. Yeah, I agree with, with both of you in that I feel like it does a good job setting itself up, but a bad job paying itself off. And I also felt like it played a lot better, you know, what, 15 years ago? I mean, whenever this came yeah, out. Yeah, 15, yeah. For me, I thought I was just, they were setting up like this Southern Gothic horror supernatural thriller thing. And yeah, Joey, you're right. It just turns into like a courtroom drama. Like all of that trial stuff needs to go. G-O fast. (laughs) Like go. (laughs) I mean, no need for any of that. Just cut, skip some time. Um, And Mm -hmm. knowing that Greg Kinnear is the actual killer spoiler but if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this what are you doing (laughs) just don't watch it just don't watch it (laughs) Um, yeah there you go so i just saved you a lot of time but knowing that i was looking to see if they were trying to set up any kind of clues to the fact and there really isn't anything when she gets strangled in bed during one of her visions the strangler is wearing his coat but you could barely tell i really had to struggle to connect any dots to see if there was a trail going back worth a second viewing you know knowing the ending and not really it just it played (laughs) i'm sorry to say it just it played like by the book by the numbers like very predictably 
I mean, the frustrating thing at the very end is that she goes out into the lake. Okay, so Keanu is this, like, redneck, racist piece of shit who beats his wife, Hilary Swank. She goes to Kate Blanchett, who is a medium, a psychic, whatever you want to say. And she's sort of, she apparently has ESP that's been passed down in her family. Like, this is, like, just a thing that's been established, apparently. And she gives Hilary Swank advice and says, leave Keanu. He's not a good man for you. And Keanu gets very aggressive. What's happened to her is she's getting her head filled full of shit by a goddamn Satan worshiper. Or a damn good con artist, one of the two. I know she's been coming over to see you and you damn food. You tell her bad things about me, don't you? You ain't no better than a Jew or a nigger. You know what this is? It's a voodoo doll. I'm gonna use this voodoo doll on you. Some of your own medicine. If you don't stop seeing my wife, I'm sticking me a pin in this thing every night till you learn to leave folks alone. I bet you love those little children, don't you? I bet they need their mama, don't they? What's your name? Get your ass out of my house! Don't you threaten me or my kids. And he threatens her, and he breaks into her house when she's not there and, like, spells out the word Satan in her tarot card. They're not tarot cards, though. There's some kind of, like, other card that apparently are not really used for... I was reading... I don't, I don't understand any of it. I was trying to read about it online. They're like those... ESP cards that Bill Murray used in Ghostbusters, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, I think they're called Zenner cards, and they're mostly used to contact the other side, okay. mostly, so uh, yeah. yeah, so maybe she's more of, of, yeah, like, I think you did say a medium, but they do call her a fortune teller, but I think they got a little mixed up. At least I was getting a little confused why there weren't pictures. They're more symbols than, like, death or whatever on a card. Like, it's like a plus sign or a circle instead of, you know, a man with a sickle or uh, horoscope signs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, They're shapes. Keanu is set up as this real hothead guy, and we find out in the middle of the movie that he's had an affair with Katie Holmes, who's sort of slutting it up all over town, that even though she's <laughs> engaged to Greg Kinnear... We see her having sex with Gary Cole, and then we find out that Keanu had an affair with her. And so, you know, halfway through the movie, or two-thirds of the way through the movie, Keanu gets sent to jail for murdering Katie Holmes, but we never see him again, even though he's not the actual killer. And so at the end of the movie, when Kate Blanchett and Greg Kinnear go out to the lake to, I guess, look for clues to see if she has, like, any kind of, you know, additional psychic ability, when, in fact, he, I think he just brings her out there so he can kill her, maybe? There's, like, this series of visions that she has, and I was like, oh, please don't let Greg Kinnear be the killer, and that's what it first shows up, and then it shows, like, Hillary Swank could have been the killer, and I was like, what? And then they show <laughs> Giovanni Ribisi, who had been sent to a mental institution earlier in the movie, and they showed that he might be the killer, and then it's right. actually Greg Kinnear all along. Like, it's all just like this fake-out just to get back to the obvious answer, and I was just like, even more let down by that. I mean, especially if what Mike said is true, if there's no clues leading up to the end of the movie, like, what are you doing? It's the most <laughs> obvious killer, and you don't set anything up, or, like, you don't have any kind of, you know, red herrings aside from them actually putting Keanu away because he kind of loses his mind on the on the witness stand but it's just disappointing yeah it's exactly that <laughs> yeah i agree can we just talk about giovanni ribisi's buddy yeah. character for a moment here i mean talk about the short end of the stick 
he gets set up so well. And then halfway through the movie, he's paid off, he's gone, and he's shuffled away out of this film. Like That just felt like a misstep. Like a really strange moment right the night before she's going to testify that she had this dream and knew Katie Holmes was drowned in the lake. This happens like one of her quote unquote clients, the crazy mechanic, burns his father alive because he figured out he molested him when he was a child. And it's like, why is this going on now? Why is this even really in the film I mean, except to bring the ghost of Buddy back at the very end, which also doesn't make sense because... It makes no sense. Solid ghosts aren't really established. Like, she sees her grandma, but it's not like they high-five or the grandma, like, (laughs) fixes her sink or anything. She's just sort of like a vision. This is a straight-up murderous ghost. Isn't it supposed to be that Kate Blanchett actually was the one who knocked him out, but she somehow thought that... Buddy did it? Really? Thought that's what it was. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> I like that. I I like that more too. Yeah, I just that's not, that's not the thing that I saw. Yeah, that's true. The biggest problem with this movie is just the pacing cuz Keanu goes away like a yeah. little after the 1 hour mark and it feels like there's like just a lull. Basically the mm-hmm. movie is wrapped up and the Kate Blanchett's like, "Wait, we don't have the right killer." Yeah, and it's supposed to be like, "Oh, Kate Blanchett, she could just be happy to get rid of Keanu Reeves' character because he's, like, threatening to kill her and stuff. But no, she's a selfless woman. She's going to, you know, get, go for the truth no matter what. Yeah, she goes to Not Gary just, Cole looking nothing like <laughs> Bill Lumberg, really. Or Mike Brady, for that matter. <laughs> or the guy from Veep. I don't remember what his name is in Veep, but, you know, he, she goes to him and he's just like, yeah, just be happy that he's away. She's like, no, I can't. And by the way, I know you banged Katie Holmes before she died. And then he, yeah. like, like, there's this whole, like, other layer of, like, intrigue and just blackmail that doesn't serve any purpose other than to sort of get him back interested in the case, like, on any level. It's just nothing's mm-hmm. planned out well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think going with that whole courtroom lawyer up, that whole stuff was just the bad way to go. I mean, I've really, for me, what what this needed was more use of her powers. So she has that really creepy vision of Katie Holmes when they first meet in Greg Kinnear's office at school because her son has trouble in school that never really comes back to get addressed. But she has like a creepy vision of her and knows something's going to happen and continually has visions of Katie Holmes, like after she's dead, like where she is, that her ghost seems to be haunting her. What seems strange to me is she had no clue that Greg Kinnear was the killer until that far into the game. Like, if she could could sense, just from talking to Katie Holmes' dad, where she was drowned, while she was sort of being drug out of the lake or maybe in the autopsy room, if she had just touched her, she should be able to deduce who killed her. So it was a little disappointing to me how little display of power we actually got from the Kate Blanchett character I was really hoping that it became much more of a supernatural film but it's not I, I'm sort of I'm bummed out and that's why the beginning and the end are supernatural but the the middle has like it doesn't even want to hint at it aside from that one scene where the grandma shows up like there's nothing really supernatural at all it feels just like a murderer like a serial killer story like a courtroom story and not necessarily an interesting one like there's nothing about the story that makes it unique it's more like Medium, the TV show. Like, that's not majorly supernatural. It's more court and, like, cop stuff with the hint of she can see things. 
I mean, who knows? Maybe they were just a little... They just didn't want to take it that far for that for whatever reason. It's not commercial enough. But I just assumed with Sam Raimi involved that he would really go in that direction. But again, this wasn't really his horror phase per se. Simple plan. It's a very good movie, but it's, I don't know, it's more of like a thriller, I suppose. A bunch of people find a lot of money and just have to decide, you know, if they're going to keep it or not. Like, it's kind of that simple of a plan. Just knowing of his other work, like, he came back after Spider-Man would drag me to hell, like, I could see if he made Mm. this movie now, maybe he would see more uh, horror in there. Because it's there, it just needs to be brought out. Like, this, this deserves scary looking dead ghosts haunting people like her being Mm -hmm. scared during the day like having sort of like missing time because of strange visions like waking up in the middle of the street like all that stuff feels like it should be here and it also deserves that because this movie is star studded like there's so many people in here and they're all essentially just wasted none of them really have anything interesting to do i mean we've talked about kate blanchett Giovanni Ribisi, Keanu Reeves, Katie Holmes, Greg Kinnear, Hilary Swank, Gary Cole, J.K. Simmons, Kim Dickens, who's in, you know, the star of several shows now. This movie has so many people in it, and nobody has anything interesting to do, or, like, there's no interesting stories. It's just a bunch of people just in a town, and there's nothing that sets anything apart. Yeah, I mean, the scariest thing in this is Keanu, I guess, and his his threats to Kate Blanchett. But, yeah, nothing supernatural. I, I do like evil Keanu. Like, I feel, I mean, I don't he like did. his character. Obviously, he's this wife beater who beats up Kate Blanchett <laughs> as well. Like, she gets knocked around to hell in this movie. She's a tough girl. But uh, Keanu in this, I feel like he pulls off bad guy well. Like, I feel like this, we haven't really seen this. They tried to do something like this in The Watcher, but that movie is just the debacle like there's nothing that could just just run from that movie but here i I, this this was very promising for me because there's a lot of stuff coming for coming up that i haven't seen and you know who knows if he ever goes this dark again but i'm looking forward to seeing if he does because i feel like this is in his wheelhouse like this is this works for him like he could be menacing for me i feel like this is keanu's kiss of death like as in nicholas cage's kiss of death (laughs) Um, I don't know why they have a similar like they're not similar movies, but I guess it's like Kiss of Death was kind of Nicolas Cage's first bad guy movie. They're both not particularly good movies. They both have a lot of famous people. in it. <laughs> they both sort of have that feeling. What year is Kiss of Death? Ninety five. Okay, so not super close to this one, but... No, but not far off. And actually, we talked about that on the last episode, because this still might not be right. This still might be just me remembering things wrong. But Kiss of Death was the first time we got an and Nicolas Cage, and the last one was the first time we got an Mm. and Keanu Reeves, I think. And they're both kind of him as the dark, bad guy, villain, whatever. And so I think that comparison is fair. Yeah. I wonder if that credit is reserved for lead bad guy. I'm going to go back and check <laughs> a couple films. Perhaps. I mean, there's nothing as interesting about the making of this movie as there was the last one. Like, as far as I know, that Keanu didn't say, like, oh, you can't use my likeness in the trailers or the posters for this. You know, this is just a movie that was made. I mean, there's cool things, I guess, behind <laughs> the scenes, like Annie's car is an Oldsmobile that's in every Evil Dead movie. 
Oh, the, the the crazy thing about this, maybe, is that this movie is apparently, it's written by Billy Bob Thornton. We mentioned his name a couple times. I don't know if he said it was written by him, but it's mm-hmm. based on his mother's ESP abilities, supposedly, oh. <laughs> which is bananas. Wow. That I'm more interested in. <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes a lot of sense. That sounds like a better movie. Like, he should have just yeah. done, you know, yeah, more bi- biographical. <laughs> Documentary. There it is, yeah there just real quick it's just kind of funny how he's the second celebrity whose mom is sort of like a fortune teller if you, i don't know if you know that jackie stallone sly stallone's mom used to be very famous uh and on television you could like call up her hotline and get your fortune told i mean i'm sure billy bob's mother was a little different than that but it's just kind of interesting now Jacqueline Stallone, world-famous psychic astrologer and best-selling author, brings you the Stallone Solution. Take it from me. The Stallone Solution is for you. Call now and get a real free two-minute reading and your free personal horoscope every day. Call the Stallone Solution right now. See how it can change your life. First two minutes free, $3.99 per minute thereafter, adults only. Well, what I was going to say quickly is that, like, it's frustrating about her because nobody in this movie believes her, and we sort of get her using her ability early on, and then just, it goes away. It's what the movie's named after, and it's, like, the most interesting thing about anything, and it just goes away. But it doesn't go away. I mean, it's not really prominent. Her ability to see what's going to happen or what's happened. She still has it. I think she just gets glimpses, and that's why she's not able to see who did it until... She really gets to focus because she was stressed out. She was too stressed out to be able to see things with the trial and everything. Yeah, I wish we got a little more indication (laughs) of that, like that her powers, how how they work. How they worked. Yeah. Or under pressure. Yeah. And stuff. I mean, she mentions a few times like there's too many people in the room. I need to concentrate. This is like a one on one thing. But I don't ever really get the sense that at the beginning they're working flawlessly uh, toward the middle. They start to sort of falter, and then by the end they come back at full force. Like, I don't really get that arc with her powers at all. They always sort of seem to be not working very well. or, or You know, like, they, mm. she never really seems to have full control ever. And I think that's kind of an issue with a movie. If she's sort of becoming more in control of the situation or figuring things out towards the end, I feel like her powers should be more clear it's tough it's a tough way to it's a tough character to write i'll give it that like i feel like they did an okay job but i feel like she needs to be in a different story or something yeah i feel like if her powers are connected to the cards because there was a moment where she was like i need to i need to read from the cards though there was a big chunk where she was just like being asked like what do you see and she's like well not in front of her cards and then when she was in front of her cards she saw something and that was when she was with hillary swank and then she saw something which is the i guess moment where we think is it hillary swank that did it but then she kind of like shuffles the cards away and is like never mind no i didn't see anything so i feel like she was like trying not to see things for a moment there was some suppression (laughs) yeah like we get a bit about her dead husband her husband passed away a year ago in some plant explosion in town and and i just wonder if even that was necessary too because it doesn't i know they want the odds sort of stacked against her and that you know she's kind of defenseless in a way or she has to protect the three boys like there's a nice sort of thing going on with her being a very strong woman and still like the rest of society 
doesn't accept her. Like the cops don't believe her. They just write her off as like a cross between lucky and crazy. And then like you have guys like Keanu who represent most of the males in this country, right? Who are just like aggro aggressive mm. towards weak women and things. And it's like very represented there. Real Trump's America kind of guy. <laughs> I mean, just a real like redneck, right? Like it's just tough. I mean, I almost wonder if it would have been better if her husband was just alive, but she's divorced or something. It just felt like the death of her husband, if she's not going to see him speak to her (laughs) in any way, I only wondered why it was around as a thing. I also wonder, and maybe it's just to give her a little bit of character shading, but I feel like they could have done something with the kids. As they stand, they're just sort of objects for her to be worried about. Like, they're not really involved in anything. I guess they're only there, and this seems like a stretch, but they're kind of only there because the older one is acting out, and so she has to get called into the school, which is how she meets the principal and meets Katie Holmes for the first time, or the guidance counselor, whoever he is. Yeah, There's these three kids that are sort of like, they're in a bunch of scenes, but there's nothing for them to do. And I feel like there could have been, you know, just like Mike said with the husband, there's this whole family element that is included but never really developed upon for no reason yeah i mean i guess the kids it is to do what you said but also there's the resolution of like it seems like he's not as troubled at the end because they actually like go to visit the dad's grave together and like actually talk about him i guess and that was like the thing that was making the oldest son upset was that they weren't visiting his grave enough or not talking about him not being open that's the whole thing of the story. It's like she wasn't open and so she couldn't see what was happening. And as soon as she's open. I she... buy that. But I, it also feels yeah. a little like the son's resolution that yes. <laughs> like her story wasn't that she couldn't talk about her husband. It's that she couldn't really talk to her son about her husband. or something. Right. She's like, we yeah. didn't visit his grave like every month. Like we were just there last month and he wants to go <laughs> right. like, every week or every right. day. So I get it from there. But yeah, I wish there was a little more family dynamic going on because if she had to mm-hmm. maybe, I mean, like if she had her own sort of Hillary Swank situation going on and the kids were getting threatened to be taken away and put into his custody, you know, abusive ex-husband because this whole trial situation and she's being questioned for being an appropriate mother because of her work and being a medium and all that kind of thing. I don't know. It just feels like it would have been a little more intriguing uh, to Mm -hmm. see more parallels drawn between characters. I guess the tool of the dead husband, it worked in that what I think you guys already said was that like Keanu Reeves is more threatening to her when she's alone and has children she's responsible for. But also she has no partner to back her up when people are like, you're just a fake. And then also they use the whole dead husband thing against her to say that she's a fake. Like, how did you not know that your husband was going to die? So I feel like that's maybe the biggest reason to do it is when she went to trial and they were accusing her of not knowing but like how cool would it have been if somehow the dead husband is the one to save her at the end instead of the ghost of giovanni radici <laughs> yeah or if she uh-huh. did warn her husband and he got horribly injured and is an invalid or something like that now and i like, can't right. take care of himself like that could have been cool too or saved him and then he left her like i feel mm-hmm. like it, that's mm-hmm. another issue it's like he's only there so they can make that point in court and right and if she and she did warn him but he went to work anyway yeah right 
Giovanni Ribisi is not my favorite actor. And so having him as someone who you're kind of rooting for at times, especially over like, I mean, Keanu Reeves' character is terrible, but I never thought that I would in a movie be pro Giovanni over Keanu (laughs) when he like comes to like confront Keanu I'm like go but then it's like no this is not what I expected to feel about these two yeah he gets really intense in this movie (laughs) like he throws himself into this role and that that scene where he's like gets the bat or the crowbar and starts um, yeah like hitting the truck <gasps> and yelling at Keanu it's very intense shoot me I, mm-hmm. I mean I want you to put the audio in here but he's like shoot me shoot me shoot me motherfucker I'm like whoa like, wh- mm-hmm. what is going on here Giovanni you know I feel sorry for you and your brothers I mean your mama being a witch and all if she don't stop her evil ways someday somebody's gonna burn her up and then you boys are gonna be without a daddy or a mama hey Miller you all right? He said mom was a witch and not gonna burn her up. Oh, he did? Buddy, you better mind your own business. I intend to, Donnie. Motherfucker! God damn it! Fuck! Motherfucker! Shoot me! Shoot me! Shoot me, you motherfucker! Shoot me! Yeah. It's the blue diamond. <laughs> Wait, so what is the blue diamond? Just the diamond tattooed on his father's stomach? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so, like, I suppose his dad would tell him just to look into that as he was being Ugh. abused. And, yeah, horrible. Awful. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. So when you have movies like The Watcher, we talked about being a terrible title. The Gift is not a great title, but there's also <laughs> that movie that came out last year called The Gift, but was actually about yes. a physical gift. And that movie is great. And, I, mm. like, you know, I was just like, neither of the titles are really good for the movie. The Matrix is cool because the, like, the word Matrix is not used a lot, but like Watcher and Gift, these could be kind of cool titles maybe, but they're just, <laughs> they just feel generic. Yeah. Yeah, um, I thought the gift, the newer gift, I thought it was all right. I guess that one... Don't you dare tell me you like this gift better than no, that No, no, gift. no, no, no. Okay. No, no. I'm just going to say, as as far as the way the title fits, I feel like this fits a little better. Like, you're right, neither of them are... They could use better names, but at least with this one, I get that it's her gift, and it's said once or twice that she has a gift. And the other one, isn't that just revealed, like, very late? It's, like, the end... I just feel like it worked better for this movie. It's not a better movie, but the title worked, fit better. Yeah, I think I think the gift in this sense, like there's a new movie that I just saw at Fantastic Fest, I guess as you're listening to this last year, called The Girl with All the Gifts, which is sort of a supernatural, really cool movie. And that's those gifts are like this gift in that it's like sort of an ability, which is kind of cooler. Right. It's just like a present. Like we were just talking before we started recording about Christmas and Boxing Day and stuff. Like those gifts are just like whatever. Like they're just like things. Here it's actually something cooler and more meaningful. And I think I it, it does work better here, but it's still not like – I don't know what I – I don't have a better name for it, but it's just – I think the problem that I have with it is that we had The Watcher and then The Gift, and they're both just the generic noun. Yeah. Yeah, well, we have a trend nowadays where they've even dropped the the from it. We've got passengers, arrival, you know, like they just completely like one word (laughs) titled movies going on. 
Yeah, whenever I think of arrival, I always have to stop myself from saying the. One thing I wanted to mention in this movie is that Keanu, before the court scene, before Katie Holmes is dead, he shows up, I think it's the second time that he shows up at Kate Blanchett's house, and Hilary Swank is there. She sort of bursts in on somebody else's reading, and Keanu shows up and, like, beats her and then drags her through the house and knocks mm-hmm. over the paint in the process and, like, dragging her through paint. And I thought that that was, like, a really cool visual. Like, that's something that, you know, that last episode, Mike said, you know, the next movie we have Sam Raimi, and we talked about this one, Sam Raimi. Like, that's a director that kind of knows, like, the visual palette. And, like, it's just a cool thing because the, the paint they're using is red, and she just is basically covered in red paint that looks like blood and dragging her across the floor. And it's, it's kind of like a cool foreshadowing. And that's, again, you know, sort of setting Keanu up as the bad guy, even though he is a bad guy, he's not the bad guy. But that's just Mm -hmm. a cool moment in the middle of the movie that I feel like just the visually isn't really matched too many other times throughout. Yeah, that to me, I think Sam Raimi's a really good director, and that to me feels like him trying to pull things out of this kind of mediocre script to visually stimulate you, you know, like you're doing and to you know, find other things to keep you stimulated while you're watching this. And yeah, that was a really nice bit there. And I also think that he creates tension really well. He isn't Hitchcock, but he has those same sort of flair where he's got like a very dark sense of humor and he's got very excellent timing. And so like he can set up jump scares that work and he can sort of create a mood or an atmosphere for the moment that that is that is uh, called for, you know? So, like, if there's a moment where Kate Blanchett needs to feel cold, alone, and frightened, and then see, like, something floating in a tree, I feel like he can pull that off better than most, you know? And really, like you said, has a, has a good idea of film language and, you know, kind of, like, you know, carries this film as much as possible, I feel. I mean, all the problems, I feel, are there in the script. I don't feel like it's anything else, really. I just feel like it really needed to be punched up on page. I agree, because then we have a couple scenes later, like, there's nothing Sam Raimi can do with something where it's a phone call where Keanu says something like, this is after he breaks into their house, and he says, you got a lot of pretty things, I like looking at them, you ever see someone skin a squirrel, that's what I could do to you. Hello? You got a lot of pretty things, I like looking at them. You ever see anybody skin a squirrel? You stick a knife in its belly and zip. That's what I'm gonna do to you and your children. You ever call the police again? And like, it's weird and kind of intimidating, but there's just it's just craziness, and not craziness like in a good way. It's just let's say lots of things because this is like a crazy guy on the phone, and then like there's there's no way to sort of punch that up visually. You just have Kate Blanchett looking terrified on the phone. Yeah, I think the most Sam Raimi esque visual is the uh, the way Katie Holmes looks. Dead. Dead Katie Holmes. Yeah, she is kind of one step away from being a deadite. Like, she has mm. like, that very mm-hmm. zombified look, but yet she kind of moved once or twice in that very sort of um, different sort of shutter speed style way that I feel like Sam Raimi used, like, a very herky-jerky kind of thing every once in a while. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that she was in a tree, I think, also helped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There are a few things in the courtroom scene that are maybe not notable, 
But what I was sort of thrown off guard was that I think Lindsay was mentioning earlier that like when Kate Blanchett's on the stand and they're asking her all these things and they're like, well, how come you didn't know that your husband was going to die and all this different stuff? And then the lawyer says, how many fingers am I holding up? Ugh. And he holds up seven, which is never, that's never a number that you hold up. Like he had two hands behind his back. That's crazy. Like I've, I've never seen in any other movie or TV show someone holding up seven fingers behind their back. Oh, really? <laughs> Why is seven weird? I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think you just put, like, one hand behind your back. But he was doing oh. two hands. Yeah. It, it just caught me off guard in the thing that shouldn't <laughs> catch me off guard. Right. Like, that, sh- that shouldn't be a detail of the movie that I remember. But it just <laughs> it just felt so weird. How many fingers am I holding up behind my back? Objection, Your Honor. Your Honor, McLean is sitting in this courtroom on trial for his life, partly because of powers that this woman claims to have. Now, in all fairness, I believe I should be given the opportunity to test the alleged powers instead of having to stand here and take her word for it. You have a good point. Objection overruled. How many fingers, Miss Wilson? I don't know. You don't know? Seven. Seven fingers. No, that, that doesn't prove anything. Your Honor, I can't do this. You know, the drop of a hat. Well, then, ma'am, how about doing it at the drop of a dollar bill? I mean, I feel like this movie never should have gone to trial in the first place. (laughs) Those are my, like, I mean, there's ways to get around this whole trial thing, too. Like, have Keanu locked up for a day or two. She gets another vision and is like, it's not Keanu, it's someone else. And then before there's time to have the trial, she discovers it's Greg Kinnear. Like, I don't understand this whole trial nonsense. And it would have been cool if she had a scene where she had to visit Keanu Mm -hmm. in the jail cell and sort of face that fear. That's like... Yeah, yeah. I think they should have faced each other some more times, her and Keanu. And also, I feel like maybe the whole idea of the trial was to like elevate her hardship of everybody's against her. Look at her on the stand and like him making a fool of her. And will the jury like agree, even though obviously I guess they don't or they don't enough to not convict Keanu for it. But only because he freaks (laughs) out, right? Like at the end of his... He's like, she's a witch, burn her. And they're like, all right, he's guilty. Like, he definitely like has murderous intent. So. so let's get this straight. Let's clarify this. You're saying it was just a coincidence that on the very same night that you physically assaulted Jessica King, someone else put her body in your palm. I'm not saying it was a coincidence. What are you saying? I'm saying I got framed. Oh, well, what an original defense. Did you think of Jessica King as a stray cat? No. Did you tell Sheriff Johnson that a stray cat had clawed your arm? Yeah. And didn't you just tell the court that Jessica King had scratched your arm? Yeah, but... Didn't you tell Sheriff Johnson that you got scratched by the stray cat because she didn't like it when you killed her? Yeah, but I was lying. My wife was standing right there. How do I know you're not lying now? No, don't damn it. Oh. It's her, goddammit. Oh, she's the reason I'm up here. She's a goddamn witch. She put spells on every damn buddy in town. If they needed to elevate her hardship without going to trial, they could have done things where, like, people in town were, like, throwing things at her house or, like, I don't know, doing different things to, like, approach her and be like, we don't believe in you, you're a witch. Yeah, especially if she was going to be falling for Greg Kinnear, who's the actual murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's definitely cause to sort of give her side eye at the grocery store and all those right. kinds of scenes. And, you know, the 
babysitter yeah. not wanting to watch the kids anymore or other kinds of stuff could have stacked right. against her. Yeah, that probably would have been better than the trial. I feel like the only reason the trial exists is just to get Keanu out of there. But I feel like even that's kind of a cop-out because I'm pretty sure, at least what movies and TV shows have led me to believe, is that the defendant almost never testifies. And I feel like it's for oh, yeah. this exact reason. That, like, he... You incriminate yourself. <laughs> yeah, because the, the, really, the evidence against Keanu is that Kate Blanchett had a vision and that she knew where to look. And his lawyer does such a good job of discrediting her, even if it's sort of not fair to her and, like, her abilities, he basically says, oh, what you do is a parlor trick, or you can only do it when you're getting paid. Even if he's not fair to her in terms of what she can actually do with her ability, he discredits her enough that basically all the evidence is gone. Like, the only thing that the state had or whatever is gone. And then they call Keanu up there, I guess just to rub it in? I don't know why. And he goes to jail because he loses his mind. Why would he testify other than the movies like, we need to get him and that threat out of the way, otherwise he's going to keep coming after Kate Blanchett? Would the evidence be gone even though they found her in his pond and he had scratch marks on his arm that were from her and that they found his like skin under her fingernails? Would the evidence still be gone? I feel like the movie wants you to believe that the reason he got locked up is because he lost his mind. I mean, there was evidence against mm. him, but I feel like the, he went to jail because he flipped out. Yeah. I get that sense, I too. I guess so. Yeah. Because if Kate Blanchett, like, she even says she doesn't want to put Keanu away. Otherwise, I guess she'd say, you know, Gary Cole should be up there on the stand, too, right? Like, that's mad unethical for him to be the attorney putting away Keanu, having slept with Katie Holmes the night before yeah. she was murdered, also, or something, too. You right. know, like, yeah, yeah. that just gets too wacky as well. Like, it feels like he only slept with Katie Holmes so that Kate Blanchett could use it as leverage to reopen the case later and they could do that quickie blackmail scene in his office. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot more going on than necessary. Mm hmm. And why do they want Keanu out of the way of this movie? Beats me. He's a great character. Like, he's a great character because I hate his character so much, you know? Like, he really, in a short period of time, got me to feel about it. And I feel like there's a lot of good acting and good characters going on here, too, that unfortunately never really realized their potential. Isn't his name like a name from The Wire or something, or very close to? His name's Donnie Barksdale. Oh. What? Um, Who... Trayvon Barksdale? Yes, that's it. I guess that's not... Barksdale was like a huge, yeah, <laughs> yeah, name on the wire. Yeah. There's people that are going to come back. Like, there's that Linklater documentary from a couple years Avon. ago, 21 Years, that Greg Kinnear is apparently involved with somehow, and Billy Bob Thornton is involved. I got one. Chelsea Ross is in this. He plays yes. mm -hmm. Katie Holmes' dad. Yep. So he was in Bogus Journey and Chain Reaction with yep. the actual fat Keanu. Yeah, and she was Colonel Oates, a very important character in the Keanu Club chronology in Bogus Journey. Giovanni Ribisi will also be back in The Bad Batch, which is a Keanu movie from 2016. And he's also, I don't know what Keanu's connection is in this, but I use IMDb and I sort of look for similar links between two people. And Keanu is somehow, for some reason, listed with Lost in Translation. Was he like a producer on that? Huh. Hmm. I don't know. I gotta look that up because I, I meant to look it up. Dog Star is Dog Star. No, I don't. I don't think it's Dog Star. Hang on. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's a stretch. He was thanked in Lost in Translation. I don't know if the story is there, oh. but he's got thanks in three movies. I thought because he's got a lot of. <laughs> 
he's got like 41 archive footage, which I think is normally from like, you know, some news broadcast or some, you know, John Oliver or whatever showing a clip from the Matrix and they'll give him credit for that. I would have assumed that, you know, if he wasn't a producer on it, that, you know, they were watching like some Keanu movie in the hotel room or whatever, you know? But he was a producer on 14 things, nothing that were anywhere near... Oh, wow. Okay, hold on. So this is sort of exciting. Not really exciting, but the first thing he was a producer on was Henry's Crime from 2010. And then Side by Side, John Wick. We're doing all three of those for this. Then there's Side by Side Extra, which I guess is just extra footage from the documentary. But then Knock Knock and Exposed, which we're going to do. But exciting news, sometime this year, apparently, there was a documentary called Dog Star Seriously Singing Backup. Do we talk about this or no? I don't I don't think so. I don't think he's credited in it, but 90s band Dog Star struggles to keep attention on their music despite the world's obsession with their celebrity bass player Keanu Reeves. So it's a movie that was made in 2016 that hasn't been released yet, I don't think, but he's a producer on that, so maybe by the time we record the Ellie Parker episode, that'll be out and we can sort of mention that, but there's there's Keanu Dogstar, there's more to talk about than what we talked about with Holly, so that's exciting, question mark? Round two. Because <laughs> there's nothing more to talk about Dogstar, I don't think. Oh, one other weird little thing was that in 2004, so a couple years after this movie came out, Kate Blanchett and Hilary Swank both won actress Oscars. Hilary Swank mm. won Best Actress for Million Dollar Baby, and Kate Blanchett won Best Supporting Actress for some movie that I didn't look up. But it was weird that they're sort of, you know, female co-stars, they share a couple scenes together in this movie, and four years later they would both be winning awards in the same year. So that's pretty cool. Has nothing to do with Keanu, but has a little bit to do with this movie. I love Kate Blanchett's stuff. I mean, Hilary Swank, I'm a fan of some of her earlier stuff. The Next Karate Kid, Boys Don't Cry. I like that, but then I don't know. I feel like she's kind of not been around too much lately. Like, not nearly mm-hmm. as much as Kate Blanchett. I'd like to see more of her work. Yeah, what's she done lately? I just keep seeing the core on TV all the time. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, everybody in that movie. Why? Why did that happen? Oh, okay. So since 2009, she's only been in six things. One of them was just New Year's Eve, which we just covered for Zack Attack, which I completely forgot that she was in because that movie has literally everyone. Lindsay, do you have any other notes, any other last thoughts about the gift that you wanted to make sure you covered before we stop this recording? I took so few notes about this movie <laughs> that, no, I have nothing else to add. I wanted more Keanu, though. I think we all did. His his character was terrible, but yes. Like, terrible as in a terrible person, but... But he was the most interesting part of this movie. Totally, totally. Mike, do you have any other thoughts or notes about this? Just one final thought, and it's something that you kind of bring up from time to time, is sort of how connected or interested or how much of Keanu Club we talk about like religion. And in this one, there's a lot of witch talk and witchcraft and Satan and all that is brought up. And it made me think of Devil's Advocate. And then lo and behold, we're in a courthouse um, halfway through the movie, which also made me think oh. of Devil's Advocate too. So it was like mm-hmm. a double whammy. I wrote that down, that the Keanu character in this movie would probably be defended by his lawyer in The Devil's Advocate. That this guy is sort of a guy who, even though he didn't do it, looks like he clearly did it, and that Keanu would get this Keanu acquitted. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay Gibb, you will be back in nine years, which is <laughs> like 19 episodes from now, for The Private Lives of Pippa Lee, which I just looked up, yep. and Keanu is credited very lowly, so I don't know oh, how much she'll actually be in it. But it's a Ugh. movie with Blake Lively and Zoe Kazan and 
Winona Ryder and Robin Wright yeah. and Alan huh. Arkin. There's lots of big names. Maria Bello. So that's going to be a, a hopefully a good movie to talk about. Hopefully better than this one. Winona Ryder's the reason I signed up for this one. I haven't seen it. Pippoli, neither have I. But thank you very much for joining us. And then, so since you're not going to be on for a couple of months, I want to say, because we talked about it a lot on Cage Club, but Lindsay Gibb wrote a book about Nicolas Cage. We're still waiting for the book that you're going to write about Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but you wrote National Treasure Nicolas Cage, which has won awards. It's really, really good and really well written. And when we read it before we talked to you for the first time, I was like, oh, this girl gets it. Like, she's one, she's like us. Yes. So where can people buy that book? It's pretty much, it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. It's in stores. It's also easily available on the internet, either through ECW Press or Amazon or something like that. What I also like about that publishing house is that if you buy the actual physical book, there's a thing in the back where you can email confirmation of your receipt and they'll email you the ebook for free. So you get both Correct. you get both for the price of one, which is adorable and a bargain. <laughs> yes. As a librarian, what do you think about ebooks? Oh, ebooks are great. I, I work in an academic library and I think they're really good for students because when they're doing research, it's easy to do from home and access all their readings. So I have no problem with ebooks. So there you go. Buy Lindsay's book either in ebook or regular. She doesn't care how you buy it, but it is great. Like, just read it. It's enjoyable. It's quick to read. It's great. And I'm still waiting for what would you call a Keanu book? Oh, the that's gift a tough Keanu question. Reads. Oh, God. <laughs> One other thing about ebooks is I think authors, I don't know if this is across the board, but authors often get more money from ebook sales oh. than they get from physical book sales, probably because production is cheaper. I don't actually know the reason. Yeah, I guess there's no overhead, but, right? Yeah. So more of a percentage goes to the author. Well, I know that because e-book. of this podcast, you got at least two sales. I think Mike bought me my copy <laughs> and he bought himself his copy. Oh, that's so. nice. Because of you, because of this, because of Cage Club, you at least got a couple bucks from us. So there you go. Nice, wonderful. Thanks, <laughs> Mike. Do you have any other last thoughts, or are we, or are you sort of the gifted out? <laughs> yeah, I think we're good to wrap this gift up. So for all things Keanu, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can see all the episodes that we've done already. You can see the next couple that we have coming up. The next ones we have coming up are Sweet November and Hardball, and then three more Matrix episodes. So these next five should be pretty good, I think, I hope. We will see. But for all things Cage, Keanu, Zack Attack, and more, cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Lindsay Gibb, and we'll see you next time on Keanu Club. Messing with the devil's gonna get you burned. Everybody knows that.